Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome to Cavs a Podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and I'm here with, come on, Tom. T-Bone Pestak. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Eli Kim and Chris Francis. Uh, normally, this would be a 50% Korean podcast, but uh, but Tom Tom is uh, changing the ratio here. But we'll, 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 we'll put up with that for today. Um it, usually this this uh podcast is either dominated by Koreans or Chris's or Chris I Koreans. <laughs> I can identify as Korean if that'll help our numbers. There we uh, go. <laughs> there we go. Pump those numbers up, baby. <laughs> those are rookie numbers. Man, what a Cavs game tonight. What a Cavs game tonight. I mean what a Cavs game. The I mean, Chris and I were watching, you know, Tom Tom, you caught the first quarter, right? And Am I wrong I when I say that first quarter was a dog? <laughs> like, if that first horrible. quarter was a dog, it would somebody would have put it down. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, like, pretty obvious that none of the guards wanted to shoot or could shoot. And so, you know, they did the smart thing. It was like, all right, well, let's get it into Jared Allen, you know, our uh, – very aggrieved non-all-star and he you know it's just the, there was a lid on the bucket there were a lot of turnovers it was sloppy I kind of I kind of saw it coming in a weird way with the trade I could just see Indiana's got this like nothing to lose mentality and I just figured they were going to come out with some energy and then my thought was like but there's just no talent there so but well we and it's that much I was concerned like man someone's got to score you can't you can't win a game like 60 to 50. Well, and it's got to be a super weird vibe, too, when you've got, you know, literally the team rolls into the arena and their best scorer basically is told, oh, we're trading you to the team in the other locker room. (laughs) Why don't you go say hi? I mean, that's a weird vibe. Do any of you guys know, like, what did what did uh, Levert do? Did he stay in the locker room? Like, did he sit on one of the two benches? Did he go home? I mean, what what did he do? (laughs) Anyone know? Uh, I didn't see anything. Well, the only the only thing that was reported so far was that um, he would they were able to break the news to him first. Before, like he was the first to hear about the trade, and then they let him talk on the phone with Kobe Altman. So that that as far as the reporting I think so far went is that he was notified of the trade, and then he was allowed to talk to um, uh, the Cavs. Uh, president of basketball operations afterwards. And I'm not sure what he did after that. And then they said he went to the other locker room, I thought. Uh, but this was oh, okay. before the game. I don't know yeah, what happened during the game. That's very possible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> And it had to be super weird emotions for him. 
Yeah. Oh, and he talked to uh, he had a discussion with Rick Carlisle before the game because Indiana has this thing where they always tell their uh, players if they're involved in trade talks, um, kind of when they're happening. And, you know, to be ready and not blindside them so that they find out on social media or something. So, yeah, it had to be a super weird vibe. But, I mean, everybody came out really flat. The Cavs were even flatter. And just like Tom said, there was a lid on the bucket. It wasn't like they were playing bad defense. It just – every there was no rhythm to anything. And Goodwin yeah, – and, and, and like when Okoro – unnecessarily fouled uh whoever on that dunk you could just i was like everything was going wrong <laughs> oh yeah he uh, was yeah, right. uh uh that was uh Kiefer sites and he was super lucky he didn't get a flagrant because he kind of undercut him i thought it was kind of a dirty play i don't think he meant to do it but i don't think he meant to yeah. if it had been a if it had been um a star he'd have definitely got a gotten a flagrant but yeah he he got away with it, and then you know the the Bucks or not the Bucks, the Pacers actually went up twenty in the first quarter, and then the Cavs, you know, in the second, still couldn't shoot, but they were at least grinding, and I think they you know cut the lead down to eleven at halftime, eleven or twelve, and then the third quarter again, total grind, and then you kind of just felt like there was a couple times it got really close in the fourth quarter and, you know, Holiday would hit a three or, you know, they'd get a – Darte would get a three-point play or something. And and by the way, Chris Darte looks like a really good player. He looks like he's going to be yeah. quite good for some time. And yeah. a lot of the talk about the Karis LeVert trade was that Darte, um, they want to open up the playing time for him and clearly 36 points, 22 five and two tonight. Um, pr- pretty good, pretty good night. But yeah, then that fourth quarter, the, the dam just broke. And I know Tom, you were, you were rolling through the, uh, the, the play by play. So uh, yeah, let's just break it down here. Take us through it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, it's feast or famine, right? With Chetty Osmond and to a lesser extent, Kevin Love, he's more consistent now, but it feels like right now they can beat bad teams if either one of those guys kind of goes off. And if they both go off, they can come back from a 20-point deficit. Um, you know, just raining threes from all over the place. It kind of opens everything else up because their biggest weakness is shooting so and just scoring. So if, they got, if, they got, if they're cooking like that, they never stop playing defense. They run the floor well. They pass the ball well. It's sort of like when there's a lid on the basket, they can look very mediocre, if not bad, on offense. And when, you know, Love's hitting a contested three from four feet behind the line or, uh, you know, or, or, or Chetty's running all over the court, you know, finding himself on the weak side open for a pass and he's knocking down threes, they just start having fun. And it's like a, I mean, they did this to the, they did this to the Hornets too on the road. Um, Love was unconscious. So, yeah, but despite that, I think that uh, it's a it's a big it's a big limitation right now. Lack of scoring out of the guard spots for sure. So yeah, yeah, I, I get I get I get why, you know, we're going to be talking about the Karis LeVert trade. It, it's definitely uh, a need right now is some is some guard and wing scoring. Yeah, I mean, and it's kind of just the way it broke down with the, you know, the Cavs had cut it to four at the end of the fourth with a couple of, you know, uh, Lamar Stevens layups. And then Duarte 
um, hit that crazy jump shot as the clock expired from the top of the key that was initially ruled a two and then ruled a three. Um, and you're like, oh, that's a big momentum shot. So the Cavs were down seven, and then Osman just comes out, nails a three. You know, uh, 30 seconds later, 35 seconds later, nails another three. Um, then they then they're down one uh, after a rage uh, timeout yeah, by the uh, Pacers, and then they ran that curl play. Yep, yep, curled Osman. Great pass Ch- by Rondo. Yeah, Chetty. Basically, they you know faked the action that he was going out to the wing again, and he curled in for an easy layup. And uh, and then yeah, Love on the next one. It was that snap pass to the corner, right, or to the wing. And yep. then um, then Love hits another one, and then uh, and then the Love steal. And oh, let's not forget that Kevin Love was everywhere on defense tonight with. Uh, he stole that ball from Sabonis with a, you know, kind of a well-timed double team. And then, uh, then, uh, pitch it to Rondo and Rondo throws an 80 foot pass to Osman who lays yeah. it in. Yeah. Then the play of the night, um, you know, the Pacers miss, uh, the break comes out. Rondo pitches to Kevin Love on the left wing, who pitches a behind the back pass to Osmond in the third quarter, and just the lid comes off the building as the Cavs go up by twelve. I mean, that was it was one of my favorite moments, maybe my favorite moment of the season so far. I mean, in a season that's had a lot of great moments, but that was unreal. Like that whole run, nineteen zero to start. I mean, they were up they were up twelve after that, after being down seven to start the quarter only. Three minutes yeah, they, and ten they, seconds earlier. Were they eight, eight for their first eight threes or something like that? Um, in the third? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they didn't miss a shot. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. <laughs> six, six straight, uh, six, seven, eight. Yeah, and then, okay, then uh, Rondo hit one. Yeah, that's, that's insane. Yeah, they missed their first eight threes. Or made their first eight threes. That's just nuts. Um, and 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 how about Kevin Love jumping into the bench for a loose ball and taking out yeah, two coaches? Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then having JB Bickerstaff shove him back into the onto the court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was. I mean, Kevin Love was everywhere tonight, right, Chris? Yeah, it's it's yeah, he was. No, yeah. well, Chris. Well, I was going to pick hot, a, Kevin yeah. Love was everywhere. Take. well I was going to piggyback off of Tom's point about the first quarter I mean it was it was a case where Brandon Goodwin was just he just was way too passive to be starting the game Uh, and it kind of just spoke to what Tom was talking about just the guards were just unwilling and unable to create their own shots and be able to get shots up Rondo was a godsend tonight I mean 32 minutes put up a double double 15 points, 11. He had that big pass, like you said. Uh, so it was just like a vintage Rondo. Like that, that was the thing that struck me is the vintage Rondo performance, just being able to provide that steady veteran presence. Uh, and, and it's, and the other thing that struck me in just how you were talking about how they're grinding away in the second and third quarter was the team has like a supreme belief in their defense. Like they know that if they can just come up with some stops, you know, or just just put some energy on the defensive end, they're going to start creating some looks and just start creating their own momentum. So that was that was the thing I think that caused you know that that set up the avalanche in the fourth quarter was just uh, no riding. no no they set up the cavalanche 
the cavalanche. So yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that post with the with the bear. What 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 mascot was that? Like that was the nineties mascot. <laughs> I don't remember the bear. What was the bear, Tom? <laughs> the bear. What are you talking about? Yeah, the cat's yeah, bear mascot. Bear. Yeah, there's a polar bear mascot. Wasn't his name Boomer cat. or something? <laughs> I don't remember. He's like the Lost Cavs mascot. Okay, we're going to figure this out Wait, during what the break. Year? What year? It was in the 90s when they had the yeah, blue, okay. the electric blue and black uniforms. Oh, was it like, was this like the... Uh, this was the Fratello and Sean Kemp years. Was it years. the Fratello or was it the... Who Bobby Sura? Who was the coach for like two years that went on to coach the Wizards or the... Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his name. Um, oh, man. But yeah, those he are, was in there too. Those are the lost years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just a scintillating performance tonight by the Cavs. And, you know, I don't think any of us will disagree that this is the best fourth quarter of the year for the Cavs, at least, you know, just f- from the rip anyway. Of Randy, of how, Whit- Randy Whitman. Randy Whitman. There you go. Oh. Walt Whitman. Wow, that's a, that's a name that I haven't mascot. heard for a long time. That mascot's called Whammer. Uh, they did a knife for him this year. I remember Whammer, yeah. <laughs> do you? Yeah, there yeah, was I a Whammer. I, I do. I do. Okay, and with that, we're going to take our first break <laughs> and we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Who He Play For mascot edition of Cavs the Podcast. Uh, Tom, Tom took us to a trip down amnesia lane by referencing Whammer. Who was on? You said that was a who he played for of Cavs players in the, the mid to late nineties, the, the post camp, the I fat camp years. Post camp. I bet you, you cannot name three of the top five players on that team in terms of minutes per game. Cedric Henderson. False. He uh, Bobby Sura. Oh no, he was on the team, but False. Bobby Sura? Uh, Bobby Sura was not on the team. Um, oh Derek oh, Anderson. What? Not on the team. Uh, Terrell Brandon? No. Yeah, that's what I was going to no, go with next. Not on the, te- not on the M- team. Michael Cage. Not on the team. Oh, my God. We, we all have a... <laughs> Tyrone <point>. Battle. <laughs> <laughs> we have got none. Eli, do you, do you got any guesses? This is 2000-2001. Oh, man, to be honest. Oh, Z was on that team, wasn't he? Or was that after he was hurt? Z Z was on that team. However, Z is not in the top five in terms of... Yeah, that was one of his... That was his surgery year, I think. He's number six on the team. But yes, Z is on this team. But you still have not guessed any of the top five. I didn't realize it was 2001, 2002. You should be able to get number one. Oh, God. Uh, Carlos Boozer? This is the player we traded... Which allowed us to tank the next year. Oh, LeBron, Yuri Welsh. No, <laughs> what? what is wrong? that? Was the other way around? That was the other way around. <laughs> Andre Miller. Andre Miller. Oh, that's right. He okay. was respectable, yeah. and then they traded him, and then the next year they were horrible. I remember. Right. I went and saw Andre Miller that year. If you weren't going to get Andre Miller, there's no chance in hell you're no. going to get two, two through five, which is Clarence Weatherspoon. Oh wow! Jim Jack, Jim Jackson, Jimmy Jackson, Jackson. yeah. Matt Matt Harpering, oh, oh yeah. wow! Football and player, Lamond Murray. <laughs> wow. wow, that was a, yeah. Harpering, that's a, Harpering did 
Harpering did play like a football player. You're right. Well, he he was a I think he was, oh, he was quarterback for Georgia Tech. Yeah, for Georgia Tech in college. Oh, because didn't he used to just like tackle people in the open court? Wasn't he? Oh was yeah, yeah, player? absolutely. He was a dual sport guy. Yeah, he was a dual sport guy in college. He was and, like a weird, yeah. like not big white guy that couldn't shoot, but he had a respectable <laughs> NBA career. Exactly. <laughs> Back when you could be one of those things and have a respectable NBA career, yeah, that was a great. Getting, that was a great description. It's getting harder. Well, I mean, you yeah. Know, I mean, there's not a lot of about. goons anymore. No, I mean exactly. Jason Kidd was the best example, but late years he actually did learn to shoot. Right. 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 Which, well, Jason but Kidd, Matt Harpering had he identify as white. I'm not sure. I I, I think he identifies think white. as as by as of mixed heritage. But okay. I, I'm not sure. But Matt Harpering couldn't do any of the things that Jason Kidd could do. He was basically just right. a shorter, oh. less Jason talented Kidd's Bill Lambeer. Jason Kidd's one of the best point guards I ever saw play. I mean, he was yeah. unbelievable. Okay. Yeah. He was like a talented Ben Simmons. And then when he learned to shoot threes, like when he was a million years old, it was like, what could that guy have done if he could have done that his whole career? Because oh, you know, yeah. that was always his Achilles. Although you're right, Nate. Back then, I mean, you didn't need everyone on your team able to bomb away from three. It was just a different game. Yeah. Yep. And speaking of things we need on the team, the trade train is pulling into the station. <laughs> okay, Eli and Chris, now you can take your victory laps. You can uh, pull, oh, pull the train. No, well, they – all week well, they – well, you know, Chris wrote – Yesterday, basically, or what day did you write? It was like basically was, get yeah, off your bum, Kobe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a couple days in a row of, you know, from the desk of Kobe Altman, you know, may, may have lobbed a couple of bombs his way of, you know, uh, the Ken Burns thing, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> my, my dearest Lamanta. I go back to fight in the trade wars once again. (laughs) Intelligence has told us of a Karis Levert siding over the next rage. (laughs) Exactly. So Kobe got it done, though. He did, though. He did. did. He he got it done. So, you know, I'm pretty happy. He did, but it's kind of a steep package, I I think. No, you're right. I'm glad glad they did it. You got to make your move at some point. You don't want to be like the Celtics of, you know, the last five years where you're constantly just yeah. like, you know, getting super excited about all your young talent and then you never do anything with it. So yeah, I think the, the coal quit era Celtics where they're just punting every year. Well, just where they're, they're, they, they <laughs> nice. fell so in love with their war chest and they started mm-hmm. drafting all these guys and it's just sort of like, Hey, there's only, you only need five guys on your team at once. So and they just never put it together, and they still haven't. So I mean, you nope. don't want to be—you don't want to be in that situation. I mean, if the Cavs got a chance this year to win a first-round series or, or go even further, you got to make a move like this to have that chance. So, and like you said earlier, Nate, Levert's not like an old man. You know, I mean, he might have another four or five good years in him. So, yeah, and that was my Tom. To and Tom and I will shut up here in a minute. Um, but Tom and I were talking earlier, and I, I said one of the things I like about him versus Gordon, I actually think Gordon in a vacuum right now is a better player and a better fit for the Cavs. But really, how many good years does Gordon have left, whereas Levert is literally in his prime right now, and like Tom said, four or five good years left. So 
I, I think long term he fits the Cavs timeline a lot better. Um, and yeah. you well, know, I was going to say Gordon about- can play three positions and Levert can or two positions. Levert can play three. So go, Chris. Yeah, no, I mean that's it's funny because that was definitely the name that was tossed around as like why didn't you go get Eric Gordon was kind of the criticism that I've heard from just outsiders talking about the trade. And I think you're right. I think I think. Kobe's thinking on that score between Karis Levert and Eric Gordon is which guy would you want to create his own shot? Which which guy would you trust to be able to get his own shot? And I think you would probably have to go with Karis Levert between the two of them. And I think that's that's probably why Karis Levert was preferred and cost more is because I think when it comes down to it, he's the guy you would probably rely upon. Was probably one of the best guys out, at least from what I heard in the trade market about for a guy who could just get his own shot. You know, so uh, he's he's. So what guy. is he good at as a player? What he, he what, well what he's good at is he's good at getting to the paint and getting his shot off. He's able to basically. He has decent enough handling. He has decent enough vision that he can get into the paint and make decisions in the paint, whether it's a shot using his 6'6 length over a guard, or if the paint collapses on him, just kicking it out to an open shooter, or, you know, being able to stop and pull up for that mid range shot. And he can hit it with some, you know, I mean, his efficiency is not tremendous, but it's, I mean, People look at his stats, you know, and they're saying, oh, he's only a 40% shooter, 30% from three. Well, they're not considering the fact that most of those shots that he's putting up are completely self-created. No guy, He's not relying upon guys getting him open, getting him passes. He's actually taking those shots through dribble pull-ups and finishes in the paint. So one of the criticisms I heard today was, is this just another name for Larry Hughes? <laughs> And I was like, ooh. That's, <laughs> sorry, Tom. I, actually, I, I had you muted there. Uh, oh, well, thanks a lot, Nate. Now that well, I'm, no, just <laughs> really think of me. It's a four-person podcast. So I got to do it. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. No, I actually thought of Larry Hughes and Tobias Harris were the two guys that came to mind as like, what kind of guys kind of a little later in their 20s that were volume shooters that a team made a big play for because they thought it could like put them over the edge. And obviously with Hughes, um, you know, he was an underrated defender, but he was not what the Cavs thought they were getting. And well, a lot of that, but see, here's the thing though, Nate, like a lot of the problem there was that Hughes excelled in Washington's freewheeling offense where, Everyone could score, and they were running up and down the court like crazy. They were generating a lot of steals, and Hughes did really well in that system. The Cavs had like the slowest team from pace perspective throughout all of the LeBron years, for what it's worth. And LeBron wasn't a great outside shooter. Obviously, Eric Snow wasn't a great outside shooter. So the Cavs had no real good outside shooters other than Damon Jones, who he was a one-trick pony. Eamon Owens, no Dino Eamon Owens, yeah, with the leg kick. <laughs> leg kick, leg kick legend, man. Leg kick forever. And well, uh, well, they was brought in Hughes, is- and, and he's just clanging, you know, one step inside the line. Now, to, now twos, to be fair, Tom, game. they did bring in Daniel Marshall as well. So. <laughs> Daniel, I forgot to put my... 
I forgot to put because my I once on sat in the fan section known <laughs> as Yells Angels. So <laughs> it was right that. next to Ira's Nubelhood. Oh man! Uh, as far as as far as Tom's comps with um, Hughes and Tobias, I think the there's a definite difference between those two as versus. Karis, that Karis is a far better passer. He's a he's a far better and more willing passer. So I think that would be a distinction between the types that Tom might be thinking as far as pure scorers versus a guy in Karis who can actually pass a little bit and get other guys' shots. Nice. Well, that's good. Yeah, the Cavs need that. They don't want... I mean, he looks to me like a volume mid-range shooter that isn't real comfortable yep. knocking down threes, which is not the best recipe for the modern NBA. But if he's not a black hole and he's a willing passer, that's kind of exactly yep. what they're missing is that ability to, I mean, it's just, it's so painful to watch right now without Garland when mm-hmm. Chetty and or love just don't have it going. It is so difficult for them to generate a good shot, you know? Well, and let's be honest. These are the looks that Ricky Rubio was getting mm-hmm. and about the yeah. percentages that Ricky Rubio was making them. Now, the converse being that uh, Karis LeVert is not the passer that Ricky, Ricky Rubio is because few well, he's are. He's a better shooter. He's a better shooter than Rubio, I think. Uh, but yeah, well, I, yeah. yeah, I would say their rates are, are somewhat similar this year, although I think the other thing is he's playing on a – I don't he, I don't think he, Rubio's taken like tough shots the way LeVert – Oh, I don't know. You didn't watch enough Cavs early this year. Rubio was taking no, a lot I, of tough shots. There's a difference between – like a deli runner that is in traffic and Levert like spinning away and hitting a rainbow fadeaway over an outstretched arm. I mean, I think he's hitting tougher shots than I think Rubio hit tough shots, but he was not looking to take tough shots. He just had to, to bail them out because again, back to the point we're all making here, the Cavs have some limitations offensively. Yeah. I mean, so I and think- we'd have killed for 40% shooting in that first quarter. So yeah. tonight, <laughs> you know, I think the Cavs shot 25% in the first half, which is like, that's like not even high school level, you know. So, Eli, you've been awfully quiet. Are you, give me your thoughts. How are you feeling about this trade? I know you I were, think, yeah, sorry, I'll yeah. shut up and let you talk. <laughs> well, I'll be honest, guys. I, and probably the most pessimistic about this trade. Um, ironically, even though I'm a big deals guy, I make deals for wow. a living. I'm actually somewhat pessimistic because I think it just makes the future even murkier. Um, obviously, in the immediate, it helps a lot. But there are just a lot of concerns that I personally have about Levert's uh, fit short and long term with Cleveland. So, Really? Do you I tell? Think, I do think... He'll help the team this year, without a doubt. He'll be the secondary ball handler. I don't think there should be a single minute where him or Garland are not in the game when everyone's healthy, because I do think his passing is good enough to get through, you know, little spurts, three, four minute spurts where he's not, he's the point guard. So, wait, wait. Can you clarify that? You don't think he and Garland should be on the court at the same time, or they should no, always no, be think- on the court together? I think one of them should always be on the court. Oh, I got you. You're saying the Cavs should never roll out a lineup where they don't have a half-court bucket getter, basically. Correct. Gotcha. No, I Um, I agree. And I think his defense has kind of – he did have a good reputation defensively in Brooklyn. I think that's kind of waned off a lot in the last couple years. 
Yeah. But to be fair, maybe he isn't as motivated playing for the Pacers who aren't very good. Um, well, and, and also it could be the kind of thing where, you know, some guys, their efficiency and their ability to, you know, try hard on defense is just going to go down when they're half, when they're asked, you know, to do a lot. And, uh, but also to your point, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's tough going out there every night knowing you're only going to win one out of three games. Yeah. So. No, but I, I also think, um, I guess more concerning for me in the is the future, right? What are you, what are the Cavs going to do next year when Sexton is back? Is this a message that he's definitely like one of those two probably can't be back? And it also yeah. puts a damper on Okoro's development for the long run, in my opinion. So I just think okay, but but I, wait, wait, let me let me play devil's advocate here. So yeah. All those same arguments we were all making for the last three years about why did you draft Garland when you have Sexton? And, I mean, in the end, we're kind of happy they drafted Garland, right? So why can't Okoro get better offensively and maybe a year or two from now he's the guy because he's a good player offensively now? I I, I like the options, personally, that you've got. Yeah, I think... Uh, for this, the rest of this season, it works great. I mean, you have 96 minutes between those three guys, um, you know, Coro, Garland, and LeBert now. So I think for yeah. this year, it works fine. But would you have term, rather had the, would you have rather been able to bring back Rubio next year than have, like, let's not talk about this year, just next well, year? Well, that, that's still a possibility, Tom. And I would. I mean, I would do want to bring Rubio back, and I'm hoping LeBert can go back to, a little bit more of the player he was in Brooklyn where he did do a little bit more catch and shoot and shot, you know, 35, 36% because that is a player that the Cavs need at times. And they're going to need him to do that even this year when Garland is, you know, on a roll and being the primary playmaker. So like, I don't, I don't hate the move. I would still give it like a solid B B minus B grade. Um, But I do have sounded like B minus. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but got to be fair, I'm also I was also just not a huge fan of um, I would not have liked the Gordon deal if it involved a first round pick because I don't think taking on 20 million dollars of salary for next year yeah. for a player who just continues to likely decline at 33 yep. 34 years old yeah, he's gonna keep is the going move. downhill and well, and the, and injury concern too yeah well and that's the same thing with Levert too to be honest but yeah, Gordon has a bad injury history, and really, this is the best year he's had in like three or four years. It's not like he's it, it. It almost felt like a contract year, and it almost felt like they were padding up his stats. Plus, let's be honest, nobody takes the Rockets seriously when they play him, so it's not like he's playing every team's best defense every night. Yeah. You know, so, so real oh, yeah, quick, sure. and then we can go back to. Are any of you guys kind of bummed that we? Got rid of Kevin Porter, Jr. Or are you like, no, it, ha- it had to happen. Because, I mean, look at You can tell Tom has not been on the podcast. Well, look, at, look at how good the chemistry. Why do you guys talk about this like every time? No, no, no. We've had we've no, had the no. conversation a few times. This is a fan- yeah. I think it's a fantastic question. I mean, because my reaction to it is I, I – uh, my reaction to it is I literally thought, you know, in an Eric Gordon deal, what if we could get – Kevin Porter Jr. back. <laughs> no. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. I want yeah. no part of that guy. Oh, yeah. well, I, I just I think, don't either. Honestly. Well, not anymore. Yeah, of course. But I mean, like I, I had hope for like, wow, 
a redemption arc, you know, wouldn't that be the all that wouldn't that be the redemption arc of redemption arcs? Well, yeah, I, I think he's going to be a bad player for a long time. I just don't think he makes good decisions on or off the court consistently. And the Cavs have a, a culture where they cultivate guys that do that. So yeah. what, you know, they played with fire. It didn't, they got burned. They, they let him go time to move on. You know, I don't know. Yeah, uh, no, but I'm with you, Nate. All's well that ends well, right? They're, yeah. They're doing well. On that note, we will be right back. You know, so this is a little hidden off-air segment of Cavs' blog, and I asked Tom a question in the break, and I go, Tom, can you do me a favor? And he's like, what's that? And what? And I asked him, can you mute your mic when you're not talking? So, And, and what was your response? Hell no, I'm playing a video game. <laughs> Are you playing Rocket League, Tom? <laughs> I'm actually not. I got one of the new OLED switches. Ooh, and I'm playing what is that? Hyrule, Hyrule Warriors. You know, the Nintendo no. Switch. Yeah, what is the o- o- OLED? Yes, yes. Okay. The OLED, yeah, OLED, right? Or oh, I'm, I'm not on, up on all the fancy lingo. Yep. Nice. So no, okay. I got a new Bluetooth headset. So I'm not even tethered to my PC. I'm Whoa, walking around wow. my office, 21st swinging, century, <laughs> swinging a sword right now, killing bad guys. <laughs> With it, probably power, sporting a ponytail like uh, Tom power, Cruise in I'm, Tropic I'm Thunder. Grinding. Yeah, I'm power grinding is what I'm doing. Nice. <laughs> nice. Oh my goodness. So, what was the question that you had for Eli? you see anything out there? Were there any rumor, anything in the rumor mill or something you thought the Cavs could pull off that you would like better than a B minus? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, um, Ben, Sim- no, I'm just kidding. Um, not Ben Simmons. Ow, wow. I, I can't no, believe you just I want no there. Part of ben Wow. Yeah. I don't, no part of I don't it. think I do either with, especially this Harden stuff with him and kind of crazy, but definitely not. That was a joke. I take it back. <laughs> um, but I actually really – and Nate has kind of really convinced me, but Derek White was actually the one player where I thought that um, the Cavs could have made a move for. And it probably could have been a similar package, but the only player that would have swapped out was probably um, – you probably had to take back McBuckets' as a contract because I don't think they like – that deal right now and you also probably had to throw in Jetty Osmond which yeah. would have made well, a deal what was the other part of that deal that the Spurs were asking for uh, I was going to ask who he played for Spurs okay <laughs> Don't they, they got um, the one guy that's awesome I thought they wanted Spurs. Sexton too the, the way the money could is? work was it could have been Sexton and Osmond in a first um, but because I do think the Osman is one of the players that the Spurs have reportedly been very interested in, which they should be the way he's they playing this year. Um, so that was one deal that I thought could earn a grade higher than a B minus for me. Obviously it depends on who the Cavs would have had to trade, but for a similar package, I would have been more happy with Derek white. He's a similar age, way less injury history can uh, play better defense not a great, a really good either. defender. Not a great shooter either, but definitely a better passer than Levert. And he also is not, you know, like he's six four, so he's you know a bigger guard. He's also a willing shooter. 
you know, right. whereas, you know, Colin Sexton kind of only shoots unless he's absolutely wide open, you know, yeah, which was so. a big criticism we all had. And that's why we, even though Rubio shot 30% from three, he was a willing shooter and it helped the offense a lot because he took the shots that were there. So, um, so, and I was going to ask, uh, do you think, cause I think they could still do the Kobe white deal. Uh, they would just have to give up a future first, like a 2024 first. And it would be like what, like you said, Osman and, uh, Sexton for Kobe white and maybe, a you know, a future lottery protected first, I think would probably get it done. That seems a little steep to me. And, yeah. you know, my whole take on the whole thing is, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I want to ruin the good vibes. That <laughs> That's my thing. I don't know if I want to ruin the good vibrations. I don't know. What do you think of that, Chris? And then, then butt in there, Eli, after Chris talks. Yeah, I mean, the I would agree with Eli that that trade was the most surprising rumor that I heard uh, over the course of however many weeks we've been into the in the in the meat of the, the Kobe White season. deal. Yeah, the the Derek White deal. The uh, sorry, Derek White. Yeah, not Kobe yes. White. Kobe yes. White plays for the Bulls. Sorry. Yes, that's right. Uh, well, there, but so, there is a Kobe White. I thought you were thinking he was going to be as good as Kobe. It was like <laughs> no, no, no. Tom, that Tom, that was a secret who he played for, and you that lost. was who he played uh, for. Got him. <laughs> Got him. So yeah, I mean, the rumor about Derek White was definitely, I think, the most intriguing and surprising one of the trade talk season for the Cavs. Um, the question again, I think to play devil's advocate, uh, so to speak with white versus Karis, I think Karis again, probably gets the nod for better self creator, better ISO scorer, basically. And also I would disagree with Eli about Karis being the inferior passer. I think he's probably an equivalent passer to Derek white, but Derek white's, defense is amazing i think he grades out like in a 99th percentile in defensive epm which is insane so like he's a he's literally uh, probably one of the premier perimeter defenders in the nba right now um so but the but the worry is would he be able to create for himself enough to make himself enough of a offensive threat that I don't know. I it'd be an open question for me when you compare that to Karis Levert. I think. Well, and I would say the other side of that is when he's already playing with the Dejounte Murray, like that opens things up a lot for him. What happens That's a when great it comes point. to Cavs That's and he's not? Great point. Yeah. I mean, we'll be playing with Garland and you know would be. I don't know. Well, so what about the I, other a, part of that question? Yeah, would you trade? Would you still trade for him? That's a tougher question because I think what you're doing with that is effectively you're capping your ceiling with whatever growth is left between Derek White and Karis LeVert versus the potential, you know, uh, lottery ticket that Sexton represents with his age being 23 and just entering the prime years. Um, So, that's a tough question. Also, I think keeping Sexton around, I think Sexton is cheaper potentially, or uh, I think he's potentially cheaper, or at least I don't know how the, the number work, maybe numbers work. I don't know if Eli can fill us in with that, but 
I think there's a greater opportunity to keep Rubio or trying to bring Rubio back into the fold with Sexton as opposed to doing the Derek White deal. I don't know how that guy's how that strikes you guys. So I I can just I can see the look on Eli's face and I know he wants to get in here. So Eli, uh, <laughs> rebut. Well, I think it actually kind of doesn't matter because the Cavs are with this move. The Cavs are basically signaling they're going to be a tax team to starting next year. Um, so I think they're going to have like twenty million dollars of space um, to get to the tax. So theoretically, the Cavs could pay. Um, you know, Rubio, the full mid-level, which is about 10 and starts at 10 million a year and goes up and then they could pay Sexton, I think between 18 to 20 and still be under the tax. Wow. Um, Assuming that they don't, they don't draft anybody, um, or, you know, give a lot of, or retain any of their second round picks. Yeah. Correct. Um, Well, and what's the other big news about Sexton over the weekend that, changes the equation a little bit or muddies the waters. Yeah. Sexton signed with clutch. So he is now an official clutch guy. (laughs) (laughs) And I think the bigger interesting part was that everyone branded Sexton as a point guard, not a shooting guard. Well, well, yeah, that was the clutch poster in this, in the press release. And in a weird way, I could see it, kind of both ways maybe it's positioning himself as a six man for the Cavs and you're going to pay him as one of the best six men in the league because he's obviously not there's no Sexton the PG hashtag that the Cavs are using it's DG the PG or even PG <laughs> the PG so he must nice. be mistaken from the Cavs side but um, I think I mean to be fair the Cavs do have a good relationship with Clutch They've acquiesced a lot to, you know, get the championship, which was a, a fair price to pay. They paid JR, they paid Tristan, you know, they have a good working relationship. So I'm hoping that this is maybe a rare case where the Cavs can get a discount um, on a deal. And that doesn't necessarily mean he's locked in to be play out the rest of his contract. It's just that if you do lock Sexton in on a lower number than the 20 he was looking for, that's probably more valuable than him playing on a qualifying offer. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's any way Sexton plays on a qualifying offer. I don't think he'll – I think he'll get to get see it get to a Laurie Markkinen-like situation where, you know, his agent kind of arranges a sign-and-trade at the end of the summer before he plays on a qual- – I just don't see clutch – they don't seem like the qualifying offer type team – you know, which has well, burned him in the they, past. Didn't they do that? Didn't they do that to Nerlens Noel though? Yeah, and it totally burned him. Yeah, right. I don't think you'll right. ever see him do it again. Did he, did, isn't he like suing Rich Paul? Yes, he is. Yeah, he, he is. Tom. Yep. Well, yeah. and then it also worked with. Uh, they also did that to KCP, where he had a five-year, eighty million dollar deal from the Pistons. He played. He turned it down, but then they made it up to him by getting him to the Lakers and getting him a five-year, $80 million deal there. So mm. they're not perfect by any – and no agency's perfect, right? But the hope here is that if they do re-sign Sexton, you know, maybe there is a small discount they could get. Well, and the Cavs also have a lot of guys on their team already repped by Clutch, uh, including right. Darius Garland. 
Um, oh, really? Yeah. 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 So uh, we're bumming it, Tom out here. I know. <laughs> I know. I don't know. So my my take on it is I still think the Cavs – I mean, you saw it tonight. The Cavs still need another guard to me. I mean, we definitely – Everything we you're got. Saying from, in addition, you're saying in addition to Karis Levert. Yeah, you'd I like mean, to see another guard brought in. Yeah, because first of all, Brandon Goodwin is you know I I kind of feel like everything they got that was from Brandon Goodwin was gravy, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, that, that that those might have been his Sunjiata games pe- games peaks. Yeah, yeah, it was his Sunjiata games moments. Um, Sunjiata games. Yeah, you remember you remember him, right? I Hit know. The big How are you pronouncing it? Say his name. Sundiata. It's oh, are you saying it right or am I saying it right? I don't I know. know. He's been saying it the whole time, or did he just copy my pronunciation? I don't know. <laughs> I thought it's Sundiata. Sundiata game. Oh my gosh! You say tomato, <laughs> I say tomato. Yeah, I remember so, where I was sitting when that happened. <laughs> yeah, because you hadn't had kids yet. Oh. Once you have kids, no, I'm just saying. Once you have kids, you lose memory of things like that. Like that's true. Oh, yeah. First of all, that's even true. kids, they're probably not even watching the game. So. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You're changing exactly. the blowout while that happens. <laughs> you're like, okay, well, they lost. Time for bed. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They're down twenty in the first quarter. Oh, I'm it going was to so bed. Funny tonight. So I was uh, I was reading to the kids in bed. And, you know, I checked the box score and it's like, what? They came back and it was like, you know, a couple of minutes left. So I put it on my phone on the Bally Sports app, you know. And so they're watching it and the Cavs are up like 15 with like a minute left or maybe two minutes left. And every time the Pacers would score, or like hit a free throw, they would be like, no. And I was like, it's fine. Like, they're going to win. <laughs> How did they score? It's like, they're not going to lose. Why aren't they going to lose? Because... You can't score 15 points in two minutes, and then, you know, why Why they foul? It's like, how do I explain they fouled so that they could get Jared Allen? I mean, it's like, you know, I'm getting levels deep here, and I'm just like, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> they're not, they're not going to lose. But my son, my five-year-old Johnny, um, he explained to his older sister that the Pacers were shooting free throws because they were in the bonus. So we've been oh, you're raising them right, Tom Pestak. We've been, we've been, we've been going Coach over Tom. the concept. Yeah, we've been going over the concept of the bonus. So he recognized that. He saw it on the screen. He's like, "They're getting free throws because they're in the bonus." I was like, "Atta boy!" Yeah, you're raising them right. With that, we're going to take a break. Welcome back to Cavs Podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and uh, Chris Francis had to take off. He is uh, too busy holding. Holding down the fort on Cavs the blog comment section. Uh, we were all talking about how indispensable he is. So thank you, Chris. Big shout out. Um, and Tom and Eli and all, I were all just talking about how fun this Cavs team is. And Tom, you said you had the equation yes. for Chetty Osman. Yes. L- lay it the, on me. Let, show is, us your beautiful mind. Yes. He is the, he is the mathematical midpoint, the midpoint between, you ready for this? Manu Ginobili and Sasha Pavlovich. Boom. <laughs> Mic drop. Let it let it burn deep in your bellies and tell me I'm not wrong. Uh no, he's not the midpoint between those he's two guys. The, like, how's he not the midpoint between those two guys? Because both those guys are Hall of Famers. 
Borderline. Drazen Pavlovich is not a oh, Pavlovich. <laughs> I thought you said Drazen Petrovich. I'm sorry. Oh, oh Sasha no, Pavlovich. No, 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 no. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, Sasha Pavlovich. Yes, okay. You're absolutely right. I knew it, right? Eli, I'm all right. Aren't I right? Yeah, I think that's actually really accurate. It's he's <laughs> His offense point. is his defense. He's the <laughs> midpoint. Yeah. that That's good. I like that. There was a time when I was like, oh, he's just Pavlovich 2.0. And the longer that he transcends that and when he does stuff like what he does tonight and his passing and sort of the energy he plays with, it's like that's that's like Ginobili-esque. You know, the passing, the – I'm not going to say his defense is on that level, but you know, he fights hard. He fights through stuff. Uh, he's a, He doesn't have the that, handle that Ginobili had. He doesn't, but he's a guy that, like, Pavlovich couldn't go out and get you, like, 20. He just, that wasn't what he did. He could hit a couple shots, you know, he had a couple moves, but but Chetty can take over, like, in, in one way or the other, like he did tonight in the Yeah, quarter. and he is such a streak. I, like, I can't think in the NBA of a streakier player than Chetty Osmond. Like, he will go, he will miss 10 straight, and then he will make 10 straight. Like, and you saw it tonight. Yep. Yeah, he did. He was, what do you start, 0 of 8 or 0 of 6 from 3, yeah. and then he hit a bunch in a row? I mean, yeah. he was just broke. Yeah. And this totally. whole team, Cavs team is like that. I mean, you can even see it in the free throw shooting after Rubio left. It's so weird. Yeah. Like, yeah. everybody's free throw shooting got worse when Rubio left because he was a really good free throw shooter and kind of... Like, they all emulated him, and I was like, it's literally Ricky Rubio was their free-throw shooting coach. (laughs) And then he left. But now they got Rajon Rondo from the Mark Price School of Free-Throw Shooting, so they'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how about Rondo tonight? Turn it back the clock because, you know, I was like 90% sure he was forked. (laughs) And And not forked, like... Not like GitHub forked, like there's a fork. Yes, exactly. It, 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 yeah, I didn't fork my repo. But you know uh, I assume there's like computer scientists that are going to listen. Yeah. Well, uh, so you know what Rondo did tonight? He made a pull request. Yeah. Oh, there it is. <laughs> there it is, Nate. Yeah, just end the pod. That's perfect. Boom, mic drop. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he, uh, he, he had a feature release tonight. Rondo oh, yes. 5.6. Yes, so uh, yes. yeah, Rondo. Maybe he just needed to get his legs under he just, him because he, he just really to refactor his legs. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh-huh. He had to refactor his code. Yeah, um, yeah. he's good. Yeah, I mean, he he got his legs under him, and maybe that's all he needed. You know, it, it's so hard to tell when a guy's that old. But the other thing that happens when you're that age is you have nights you're really good, and you have nights that you stink and you don't know the difference. <laughs> like you don't know when one is coming. I mean, we all remember Z towards the end of his career was real similar. And I've been hearing some rumblings by people that watch the Lakers that those days are coming sooner than later for LeBron, that like some of his explosiveness is, is starting to wane a little bit there. So well, he's still pretty good. He's still oh, he's still awesome. Yeah. Like 80% of LeBron, of vintage LeBron is still better than 99% of the players in the history of the NBA. So did you guys listen, either of you listen to the Bill Simmons had uh Windhorst on like a week ago and they spent a lot of time gushing about Garland and Mobley. But then at one point they talked about who would you want 
like for the next 10 years, like pick two players like on any team. And they kind of went back and forth. Sounds like Simmons kind of thought it was hard to beat Garland and Mobley. And Winhurst brought up like Jokic and anyone. And he basically made some kind of comment like, why wouldn't Jokic be just as good now in like 20 years? Cause he's already like super slow and plays like an old man. Like he can't jump. Like what, what's going to deteriorate between now and, you know, 15 years from now. I'll tell you what's so. going to deteriorate his knees. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you, you saw it with Arvita Sabonis, who was, you know, really similar player in that he was a point center. You know, it just carrying that much weight on those knees all the time. They're just not going to last forever. Your knees well, and your back I, start I, to go. You know, I, I have so much respect for like Vince Carter, a guy that just overwhelmed people with his athleticism refined his game so much that he played until he was what 41 or 42 42 i think because you look at like dwight howard and you're like man wow did that guy like fall off a cliff you know well he did but he didn't you know what i mean like Dwight howard i'd say he did but the thing was he was so good for that short amount of time and then I mean, not even a short amount of time, like five or six years. I mean, he was an MVP candidate. Well, yeah, but he had that five, five, six-year run, and then he kind of dropped off to kind of a normal, above-average defensive player uh, who can be really good at times. But it wasn't – it was also like he was so super good that it was hard to replicate that. I don't know. I I think Dwight's kind of gotten a raw deal. Um, I thought it was ridiculous he wasn't in the NBA's top 75 players. That, I did think that was that was an oversight. I thought he should have been. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what about what about you, Eli? Who's who would who's your two? I mean, for me, it's like it's really hard to argue against Luca and uh, um, like who, no Luca and the Joker. Like if you had to pick two, Luca and the Joker yeah. would. You know, it's really hard They're to argue not. against those two guys. Oh, as like oh, I see. But he was talking about not guys a, who were on the same. Yeah, guys team. on the same. Oh, okay, got it, got it. Like Sorry. So that's the thing. They, they so you're like, talking oh. Jokic and anyone, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's what they said. That's what they. I don't know who's you. Who's you two guys? Is it Garland and Mobley, Eli? Yeah, I mean it's tough. I think it would have. I mean, it's definitely biased, but I don't really know any two other young guys that are. Like at an all star level. Killing it. Because, like, you well, couldn't not make all star ar- yet, but. You can make the argument that, like, it would have been Jalen Brown and, uh. Yeah. Tatum. Jason Tatum, but they're terrible. Yeah, they brought them. Like, up. like well, not, but they've yeah. been ticking upwards, though. I, it could be, uh, Pascal and Scotty Barnes. Pascal Siakam yeah. and Scotty, Scotty Barnes. Siakam has really turned Ooh, it a, around. That's a like low key good one. Yeah, and Scotty Barnes is, you know, right there for rookie of the year. Um, it could be Cade and whoever they draft this next year. <laughs> I was just about to say, if they somehow get Jabari Smith and Cade, that would be ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, Cade Cade is going to be really good for a long time. I'm gonna put we, were ta- my- we were talking about. I'm going to put on my Chris Sheridan hat and say, "Who the heck is that?" <laughs> <laughs> oh oh man, gosh. Chris Sheridan just had one of the worst. He has to have had one of the worst, he- the worst week ever. Oh my gosh, yeah. And we won't get we won't get into it, but just Google Chris Sheridan and Junior Seau, and we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I don't know. So, what else you guys want to talk about? What is exciting you about this Cavs team? Um, I felt like Mobley was a little 
he's kind of hit the rookie wall a little bit. Yeah. At least I offensively. Think I think he has. Yep. I mean, I Eli, would you agree? Oh, I think he's hit the wall for sure. And uh, it's, I hope he doesn't do anything. I think, I hope he just plays in the Rising Stars game and that's it. Um, so he can use the rest of the time to regroup. I love the uh, fact that All-Star Weekend's in Cleveland, they don't have to travel. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just very evident he's hit this ball. But that being said, he's still, it's mostly his offense, I think, that's kind of fallen off. I think defensively, he's still very into hustling. It's not a lack of effort. I mean, he did have three it, blocks. It may partially, it, it may partially just be Garland's out, and Garland has a good, uh, you know, pick and roll game with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he throws lobs really well and fakes the lob for the. Yeah, I think, I think that Mobley gets a lot of easy baskets with Garland that he's not getting right now, and they're looking to him in the half court with his back to the basket. Which, yeah, that's asking a lot from a rookie that you're also asking to do all these special things defensively. Yeah, I think the other thing about him is that he needs to work on his ball handling a lot. And I don't necessarily mean dribbling. Like we talked about this at the beginning of the season, but it it feels like he's getting worn down a little bit. And, you know, basic things like swing throughs and how to pivot properly and get guys on your hip and, you know, clutch the ball, chin the ball. Uh, He's keeping the ball way out away from his body too much. And, you know, when guys uh, dig on him, he's, he's turning it over a lot in the last, you know, week and a half. And what is a dig? Oh, a dig is when like a guard comes down and tries to double team and strip the ball from like the top of the key. Yeah. We we saw a good dig from uh, Lamar Stevens tonight when he uh, did that kind of sneaky double team on Demonis Sabonis. And he uh, forced that bad pass out to the to the wing and uh, part of that big Cavs run in the fourth. Okay, nice. Yeah, so laying a little knowledge on there on you there, Tom. Yeah, I like I like that. I like the knowledge bombs. Yeah, I've been really impressed with uh, the last two games from Jared Allen, especially after you know just the probably the most disappointing game of the season against uh, Houston, where they were just terrible. Um, you know, it's, it's really wild. Yeah. They had a wild week with losses to Detroit and, uh, Houston. And then, you know, three big wins that winning in Charlotte being one of the wildest things I've ever seen. Um, that was, that was, that was ridiculous. (laughs) Everything about that was ridiculous. The whole game was goofy. Like that was the worst officiating I've ever seen. It was a goofy game. And, I thought the Cavs were going to get curb stomped. And then here they're like up. What were they up? Like 16 or something? With a few 17, I think. Yeah. I think they were up like, 17. Wow. This is the most impressive win of the season. And then they kind of blew it and probably should have lost. And then I'm glad it worked out the way it did because if they had lost that game, I mean, that's all anyone would be talking about for weeks. And if it had any impact on their playoff seating or something, we'd be like, remember the game? The Cavs were up like a billion points and then the refs gave them a free four points. Like that would have just, it's still a big story because of how ridiculous it was. But the, you know, so 
Whether that was a makeup call at the end with Kevin Love, I thought it was a foul. I mean, it, it could have gone either way. I could see him swallowing their whistle there. But did I did be- you hear the two minute report on that? On the last play? On the yeah. Yeah, no. Eli, you wanna you wanna lay the two minute report on him? Yeah. So the last two minute they report. They say did the two minute report say, well, we had to make a makeup call, so <laughs> <laughs> No, unfortunately not. It's like never in the history of the NBA has a makeup call been more appropriate, so we get it. <laughs> They um, actually ruled that it should not have been a shooting foul. That it should have been on the floor. Um, were so they in the bonus? They were not. They were not. Uh, but what was the so other one they called? The other one that they said was that Okoro should have been. Um, oh, for the he was foul. fouled by Hayward initially. Oh, Acor- and then, you mean Okoro fouled foul Hayward? No, actually. Oh, on that they, Yeah. Yeah, they said that Hayward actually fouled Okoro first. Okay. And then by hooking oh. him, by hooking him, oh, and then, and then taking a dive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So, which is a very Hayward move. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's it's just unfortunate that that four point play didn't happen um, in the last two minutes. But also, I think they did the pool report and they actually admitted that they were there was a miscommunication and yeah. It shouldn't have been like that, but it doesn't matter because the whole world saw how horribly it was taken care of. Like if that had happened at a high school game, there would have been a riot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it. that's the like at every level of basketball, that would have been insane. Like it would yeah. have just and the worst was incompetent. The worst part is they actually did talk about it for like a whole minute. I know. Yeah. That's what's crazy. And so when they talked about it somehow they got the timing wrong like how do you like because the one guy had to say look i blew the whistle when the ball went you know and dean was it uh wade that was stepped out of bounds yeah like yeah. that was a different that was a that was a sideline official or a um a baseline official the sideline official called the the foul on and, and the Ed interference davis. yeah, yeah. On Ed davis yeah. which so well, and the crazy thing about it was that um, they go review these plays all the time to see if the foul occurred, you know, before something else happened. Like, I don't understand yeah. how they couldn't review that. Yeah. What were you saying, Eli? And I think the crazy part, this is purely speculation on my part, and I went into a referee biography review thing. Oh, but the, you, Eli's the getting deep. <laughs> the crew chief who's number 45 was the person who called the ball out of bounds. So I would have thought that he would have had final say, right? But the referees, they're kind of their own little fraternity. And the person who called the technical on Ed Davis and awarded the three points was the oldest referee with the longest tenure of all of them, even though he was not the crew chief of the game. So my theory is that the old guy said no i clearly saw that he was interfered with so i got it we got to call it and the younger crew chief just yielded and said all right that's fine we can do that and i think that lately across all sports these referees man they want more attention more than ever it's ridiculous that we're even looking up these guys names or that they even like that. That, that might be and, that might be a you thing, Eli. <laughs> <laughs> but me, I mean, we got referee I'm, NFTs I'm not, coming out. I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not looking at referees' names. <laughs> well, I think the funniest thing is 
the NBA official account, they made it for like transparency and they wanted to talk about plays where they're like, oh, we effed up. And the funny thing was the last tweet on the account was, hey, these are the officials for the game tonight in Cleveland, in the Charlotte. And they like used the wrong Cleveland Cavaliers hashtag from 2018 <laughs> and they spelled it wrong. So the Cavs logo wasn't even on it. And then <laughs> that, they butcher that call. So it just yeah, was they a, can't even get their social media right. Yeah, it was a confluence <laughs> of events that just makes them look dumber and dumber. So wow. And with that, we will be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to Cavs Podcast. I'm Nate Smith and I'm here with Elijah Kim and Tom Pestak. And we were just talking about uh, Eli. Uh, do you think the Cavs are done? Or are we going to see another move or two before the trade deadline or maybe even after the trade deadline? Yeah, I think – I honestly think the Cavs aren't done. I think they're going to try to find a third point guard still. I, I agree with you. I actually uh, would be okay if I never saw Brandon Goodwin play again. Unless it's a <laughs> blowout. Um, I think he's kind of run his 10 day magic out. Um, and I also, you know, I'm not a big fan of the umlaut as Tom calls him, but <laughs> I could see that trade still happening. Um, because the Cavs Man, did the move a little bit further Rondo from the, on the same team. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I just don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. We'd get Contavious Caldwell Pope and just then LeBron would have to come back. <laughs> But um, I think that is a name that the Cavs still could do. Um, they obviously have to trade either Pangos or Ed Davis to make the money work so that both teams could be under the luxury tax. Um, but, you know, I don't think the Celtics are want to play or pay Schroeder that much anyway. So that's um, a potential move. And then I think if there's any buyout guys, the Cavs could be competitive. They have... Sexton's disabled player option still that was more than the minimum and I luckily it fits perfectly where they could basically max that out and still stay under the luxury tax um, and I think the important part of that is they get that roster spot back basically so um, I do think the Cavs make another move I I think it's for a third point guard who's a breaking case of emergency option but still an upgrade really though Rondo. I mean haven't don't they have like twenty of those at this point? Uh, I don't think they're good enough though. And I think Rondo tonight, even though he had a great game, this is like this is probably his best game as a Cavalier. I mean, yeah, I just yeah. can't see it being sustained. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. And I, you know, you and I had this conversation a lot of times, and I thought they were playing with fire, playing you know Rubio as many minutes as they were, and it it definitely backfired on him. I. I feel like they need depth. They can't keep running out these 38, 39-minute games for Garland. He's not a guy I want to see take a lot of abuse. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah for sure. Oh, yeah, and I think I think Mobley actually also is hurt by that too because he's been playing – he was playing, you know, 38 minutes a game basically at the beginning of the year, and he might have hit that rookie wall sooner because of that. Oh, for yeah. sure. And and getting Laurie back would be huge for that. Yeah. And I love – I'm thrilled that they're actually running a nine-man rotation now, at least. Instead of eight was just brutal. Yeah, you were concerned JB was uh, Fibs 2.0. Just yeah. <laughs> or for the Cavs yeah. 1.0. But, yeah, just an, a guy that's going to grind his guys and, you know, try hard in the in the regular season. Um, 
So for me, uh, I think with uh, Rubio being traded, they can no longer use that uh, disabled player exception for him. For, is that correct? Correct. Although the trade yeah. is not official yet, um, so maybe there's a very a window. small chance they do something. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I would also say, you know, while it very much seems like that trade's going to go through, given Levert's medical history, I would not say that this is 100% done because obviously Levert has had a lot of injuries over the years, but even bigger deal in the big James Harden trade that moved Levert to Indiana, they found a tumor on his kidney on his way to Indiana in that medical screening, and it probably saved his life. Um, wow, I didn't know that. But he missed the rest of that season uh, having that tumor removed and uh, going through chemo, uh, cancer treatment. And then came back 100%. Um, but, you know, there's not, you know, I'm wishing all the best for him. Uh, but I would say it's not 100% um, that so they don't find something. So, you know, hopefully they it all comes back green and we're all good to go. But, you know. That there is that possibility always. Yeah. So, and that's what I get for having a wife that works in oncology. So, <laughs> um, but the other side of this is uh, uh, they still have the guard or uh, Sexton disabled player exception, which is right around three million. It's like three million dollars, yeah, yeah, which is right around exactly. what they're under the tax line too. Correct. Yeah, and then the other they still technically have the JaVale McGee trade exception, which is like four and a half million. Yeah, four point two. Um, yeah, so they could theoretically use the McGee exception to absorb a player, but then send out maybe a Pangos or an Ed Davis, and then still stay under the luxury tax because obviously teams have to have the roster spots to accept those players. So, right, yeah, it's it's a little bit weird, but. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens. So I'm I'm excited for for them to get one more guard, and I I think a shooter would also be nice. Uh, but I think that's going to be a harder harder fill. What what about like a uh, Tony Snell? Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I was surprised the Pacers the didn't anymore. What were you saying, Eli? I was surprised the Cavs maybe weren't going to try to get Justin Holiday in the deal and make it a little bit bigger um, with the Pacers because that. Because that move could have been interesting to me, um, but um, well, you know my opinion on that. That's true. <laughs> you and Chris are anti-holiday fans. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's one of the noted holiday. people that is still not vaccinated in the NBA. So, oh my god. <laughs> so I'm I'm I boo hiss. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Okay, okay. We'll make um, wear a scarlet letter. <laughs> a V, a red V. Yeah. <laughs> or UV, I don't know. Um oh, what was the other thing we were going to we were going to talk Oh, so Tom, um Yeah. Um a, a, a moment of silence, a, a Yeah. sad happy trails. Yeah, legendary coach, Cavs coach Bill Fitch, the first coach of the Cavaliers, passed away this week at the age of 89. He was, I'm pretty sure, pretty beloved by his players. He was, uh, you know, I mean, the stories uh, were that he was just kind of a hard-nosed man's man kind of thing. There's a story um, in uh, 
the book that Joe Tate and Terry Pluto wrote about Joe Tate, that um, when he went to coach Bowling Green, I mean, this just feels like something right out of uh, Hoosiers or something. He he shows up and he's like 33 years old and he's you know ex marine or I guess you're never an ex marine you're he's a you know, retired marine whatever and uh, he asks the team who's the toughest you know sob here and whoever raises his hand or whoever they point to he like clocks the guy <laughs> and that was that and so then he asks again who's the toughest guy and no one like said anything or raised their hand so. Obviously, that's the kind of stuff today you could get put in uh, at least Twitter prison. It was a simpler time <laughs> back then when you could just, you know. Punch you a player just, for no yeah, reason. You could, just, you could just show your alpha and, you know, use that as motivation and, you know, whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, Bill Fitch was, uh, I think he was really well liked. I know there was there's a funny story Terry Pluto had on the newspaper last week about, um, you know, this is probably the mid nineties or something like that, or early two thousands Fitch and Austin Carr are at like a, you know, an autograph signing thing or whatever. And they're like the last two guys there. And someone comes up to him and says, I got this ticket from, you know, being at the miracle Richfield or whatever. Could you sign it? And Fitch looks over at Austin. He goes, this is why you never made any money. Austin, look at this $6 <laughs> to come see you play or something like that. So sounds like he was a, you know, a fun guy, and obviously was the, the coach of some beloved Cavs teams back in the seventies, and uh, he was a he was a baseball coach. He coached at a lot of levels, a lot of different sports. I don't think you'd really see stuff like that today either. Well, so, and he, I mean, it wasn't just the Cavs too. He coached, uh, I believe, a oh, Celtics yeah, championship a team. Yeah, he coached coached uh, the Rockets. He was um, inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame as a coach uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was – the cool thing today that they had is I think they had um, – uh, who's the coach? Uh, Rick Carlisle, uh, who uh, played for him, I believe, and oh, okay. was also um, also obviously the head of the NBA Coaches Association um, as well as, you know, Austin Carr talking about him. It was kind of just a cool, like – the connective tissue of the NBA where you have, you know, two guys from very different eras and very different backgrounds talking about kind of, you know, they're only one degree of separation away from Bill Fitch. And I thought that was really cool. And just part of what I love about the community of the NBA and about, you know, just the history and like everybody's kind of connected to everybody in the NBA. You know, there's only a couple degrees of separation, from most people. And I, I, that's something I really enjoy about it. Uh, that there's definitely a sense of community. Um, I think that even, you know, maybe hockey has it a little, but you know, baseball is so international and there's so many people from so many different backgrounds that it, 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 maybe you don't get that as much And football just has so many different players that it, while there is that some of that, it's just hard to have a close knit of, a uh, community. And that's, I think just what I really love about the NBA and part of what I'm loving about, you know, everybody to come into Cleveland for the 75th anniversary and the 75th anniversary team is going to be super exciting. So I'm excited to see that. So that was my little soliloquy on the NBA. I love it. I love it. Nate. <laughs> and uh, with that, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Cavs, the podcast. I'm Nate Smith here with Eli Kim and Tom Pestek. 
And Eli, I got to ask you, how'd you play tonight? Uh, I played pretty <laughs> well. Uh, Nate asked because on Sundays I play basketball with a lot of dudes. And, uh, nice. We play. Basically, it's fun. We try to make like a little mini, like it's all dudes we play pickup. We make teams. We play like these, depending on how many people we have, we play sometimes like a seven-game series between people and uh, make adjustments Whoa. and have You guys fun. got so, like a, a gym you got the keys to? Yeah, yeah. So the, the Korean church that I go to actually built a really nice gym. There you go. Um, three years ago. Dude. So Yeah, when you got the keys to the church gym, man, you just can, oh, it's great. You just run all night. Yeah, yeah you do. I mean, you we just, yeah we have played to like one thirty in the morning once, <laughs> and then Gee, I hope luckily, you had a lot of Gatorade. Yeah, and luckily I'm actually the guy that uh, has like the security alarm password and stuff, so I obviously turned it off uh, for that evening. But um, yeah, a lot of a lot of hoops. Um, I play a lot like Channing Fry. The uh, well, you better Cavalier bench, given uh, that's your nickname. Yeah. So, but it's funny because entering the season, I was like, I'm going to try it. Everyone's like, oh, you know, you talk with your boys and you all give yourselves like, you know, NBA comps that you're obviously nowhere near as good as, but relative to the people you play with. And this year, a lot of people were like, oh, you're like Kevin Love, but you know, this year's Kevin Love. So probably not that good. Only makes threes (laughs) when he's wide open. And Obviously, right now, I'm very glad that that was the comp that I was yeah, getting because he's playing lights out. Yeah, um, that's so. a great comp. Did you take the pump fake out of your game like Kev? No, I actually, I actually, uh, that's actually one of my signature moves. The the flare to the pump fake where they go past you and you dribble to obviously the opposite side they run past you to, and that's actually my best shot right now. Um, Hit the brakes and they'll fly right by. Yeah. And it's a <laughs> It's amazing gonna, how what? people. <laughs> it's amazing how people jump, even though I don't. I, I'm like a obviously I'm a bigger dude, so I don't really jump that much anyway. So he's not I lying. Just, he's a big dude. First time I met you, I was like, <laughs> dude, you're like, you're like he's like the Korean Channing Fry. Uh, he he's just yeah, yeah. So oh, um, just, I have not seen Tom in like two years, but I do hope to see him uh, hopefully soon. Has it been um, that long? Was it pre? No, it's only been I guess a year and a half. A year because yeah, it was half, yeah. wasn't it post COVID? Uh, yeah, it was last summer, the, or the it was the summer of COVID. It was the summer of twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah. So he he brought you a package of toilet paper and left it on your front porch. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I did play pretty well. There was actually one sequence or one game where I had uh, three threes um, on yeah. noise. Flair, and then one was an ISO, which I have no idea how I was in this. <laughs> pick and pop. So nice. I love the pick and pop to the right baseline. That's my shot, or to the right uh, right corner. Yeah, nice. Tom, it's time for lawnmower talk. All right. Okay. The, let, lay lay on me some of this epic tales of uh, a right. bureaucracy and wisdom here. All right, it's not epic. It's it's good though. It's, it's okay. It's, it's a good one. So, um, yeah, I work for a a company, right? Like most of us do. So we've got obviously, you know, different uh, departments, right? You get your you get your accounting and you get your HR and blah blah. blah. So anyway, so so someone that I work with who, I guess you could say, um, 
you know, she's in charge of a lot of things. So she's a point of contact. Like she kind of knows everyone. She does a lot of things. So she gets a bunch of emails saying, you know, you got to approve this thing, like go into this system and click, you know, approve or whatever. And she's looking at it and she's like, I don't understand why I'm getting this email. I don't know who this person is emailing me. I don't know who this person is that I'm supposed to approve something for. It's just, you know, but at a certain point, you know, you're getting hammered over email. You're just like, whatever, you know, so she logs in, uh, you know, I think either she does it or she fires back and just says like, you got the wrong person, you know, like figure, figure this out yourself. So then, um, they, (laughs) she gets a, uh, she gets a notification that she has to approve an expense. And she's like, and again, same kind of thing. And so she goes in to the system and approves it. Right. So then, um, the next day, uh, a package shows up and it's like, you know, it's like a FedEx or whatever. And it was, it was overnighted. And so she doesn't know what this is for. You know, she didn't order anything. So it's just kind of sitting there that day. She hasn't opened it yet. And then she starts getting emails about like, who just, you know, approved this like, you know, $57, you know, overnight FedEx thing. And so she's like, well, you know, I did because I got this email. You told me to, from, you know, to approve this or whatever. So she's relaying this story to me. So then she doesn't know what it is. So she opens it. It's a What's paycheck. in the box? It's a paycheck. And it's a what? paycheck. It's a, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a paycheck for admin Tesper. Admin Tesper. A E S A A D M I N Tesper. T E S T P E R. And it's for and this paycheck is for like twenty six dollars. <laughs> so to make a long story short, admin Tesper is a fake user account created to test our new system. <laughs> <laughs> That's admin Tesper, like test person. And somehow, Admin Tesper earned money. I'm not really sure how it happened. And then somehow, we spent $57 to overnight Admin Tesper's $26 paycheck. That to yourselves, or who did it come from? Yes, yes. Like our company, yes. From you ourselves. sent it from yourself to yourself. Well, no, because there's like another company that does our paycheck. Oh, okay, got it, got it. You know. So anyway, it's just it was hilarious. This kind of stuff, you know, happens. We're we're, we're switching like all of our systems. So I like the new systems better, but it's just you know you get weird things like this. So I just thought it was hilarious that like that anyone would ever spend you know like sixty dollars to overnight a $20 check you know it's just I don't know, it's, it's funny <laughs> no I'm, I'm with you um it, so my uh tale of bureaucracy so, way out, so, so I'll oh, okay so go then, ahead so so now I'm putting admin Tesper in for employee of the quarter so we'll see uh, nice can, we'll see if I can sneak that one through that's uh, like one of my favorite episodes of mash where they make a fake person so anyway um so my tale of uh, bureaucracy and incompetence is 
So I have um, Verizon prepaid is my cell carrier of choice. And the reason I have that is it's the same network and you pay half as much, but you got to buy your own device. Um, but my daughter just turned 12 and because, you know, she latchkeys it at times or we got to come pick her up. We like, okay, you can get a phone. We'll put it on lockdown. You know, no, no apps, all this, you know, Google parental controls. We're going to put it on there. No problem. So first off, anytime you have to call the cell phone company, it is a nightmare because, you know, your first adventure is going to be whether English is the, at the very least, the second language for this person. Um, fortunately, I've, I've had pretty good luck with, uh, with Verizon. Um, so I, I set up the number. Of course, that takes an hour and a half to two hours. Um, because I have a really old phone and I'm switching my old phone to her old phone. And then I got my number switched to my phone. So it was a, it was a whole thing. Um, and the first time they tried to give me a number out of Sacramento and I'm like, no, no, don't give me a phone number from Sacramento because we don't live in Sacramento and I don't, you know, it just wouldn't make any sense. So I got a three, three Oh number. So we get it all set up. Maybe like, it's all working fine. Maybe three or four days later, I get a call on her phone or she gets a call after she's getting a lot of weird texts and like just spam calls and just people calling her and texting her at all hours of the day at night. So finally, she gets a call in the afternoon and I'm like, OK, first off, if you don't know who the number is, just don't answer it. So she gets a text that says. I need this number back. This is my old number. Can you call me? And I'm like, ugh. So I call this guy and he's like, yeah, I really need this number back. I had this number. I lost my phone. Of course, prepaid. If you don't pay the bill, they cut you off. Um, and now I need this number back. And I'm like, like half of me just wants to tell this guy to go pound salt. And the other half of me is like, I don't want my 12 year old daughter to have to deal with all the BS that, you know, this guy, you know, who knows what he's doing yeah. with this phone number. So I'm like, sure, I will, you know, you set it up. I will give you back this number. Uh, that's fine. Just, you know, text her. Let me know when you want to do this. I'm happy to talk to whoever, you know, I don't want her to have to deal with this. So then I don't hear from the guy for like three weeks. And I'm like, I, I guess like, that went away. But meanwhile, time. she's still getting like weird calls and texts all the time. And I'm like, okay. And then finally he goes, are you ever going to give me this number back? He sends a text. I go, I, I don't, I, you haven't talked to me in three weeks. He goes, well, I tried to call, but you don't have voicemail set up. And I'm like, because she's 12 years old and I don't want your weirdo friends to be leaving her weirdo voicemails. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm like, so seriously, just set it up and I will get it done. And of course, then I have to talk to this poor woman at Verizon. Her name was Bernice and she was lovely. Wow. If you're out there, Bernice, Bernice, if you're a Cavs fan, um, thank you for being so professional and kind. Um, she's probably <laughs> chuckling at your pull request, but <laughs> probably not. But, um, so, I, I'm going back. She's got me on one line and him on the other 
And because like I have to authorize giving him this number. And it was just like and I could tell she was just super annoyed at what a flake this guy was. And I'm just and but I'm also like she understood with me like why I didn't want my daughter remotely associated with this person. <laughs> so so that was like another hour and a half ordeal over two days to get that all switched over. But, you know, moral of the story Cell phones, when you have to make a change, can be a real pain in the butt. So, yeah. and that and that's that's the story of my cell phone bureaucracy by Nate Smith. So, yeah, well, I was telling you, I was telling, it was good. I was telling you a little bit about, um, you know, when I had to uh, try to switch, you know, or get credentials for a Microsoft account. That, um, yeah, oh, that was just that was such a nightmare. Tried for months. Literally months, and in the end, of, in the end, we never got it solved. Just we canceled the credit card, and that was kind of the end of it. But <laughs> if I would have known it was going to be that painful, I would have just not written a thousand emails and just canceled the credit card and been like, "Yeah, I'll let, I'll let Microsoft call me, right? If they got a problem." Because what's funny because I, I, I mean it's a, it's a security thing, and they can't just be like, "Oh yeah, we'll give you like passwords." But I had proved beyond like ten thousand shadows of a doubt that you know we were paying the bill and this was appropriate and they could do this and they just couldn't they just couldn't do it it was kind of mind mind numbing how i I don't even understand like it it is just bureaucracy has gotten so bad at so many of these places because like i don't even understand how you can keep track in these companies where it's like a merger of a merger of a merger like, how do you integrate all these? And like, if it's going back like three companies ago, like, how do you even keep track of that? That's just, it's just maddening. I, there was a, a story I told you when you told me this story about a guy who basically just ran up $30 million in uh, fake invoices to like Google and Microsoft. Um, and he was just sending them invoices for like, you know, $10,000, $20,000 here, $20,000 there from a fake company. And they would just pay him. And the only reason he ever really got caught was he got too greedy and the numbers kept going up. And when he, you know, if he had just switched around the companies and, you know, yeah, kept a low profile, right. he probably could have just been living off a quarter million a year for the rest yeah. of his life. <laughs> I don't know. You're in accounting, Eli. What do you think of all that? Uh, yeah, I mean, that just shows that even big companies, there's still people who work and are prone to yeah. surprise at all. I actually do have a funny, and this is not a long story, but a cell phone story similar to you, Nate. So when I joined this company that it was based out of New York City, they gave me a New York City phone number. And somehow, by luck, um, I got a 212 area code, which is stupid rare for cell phones to have because it's like an OG. It's like sawed off there, right? Yeah. So, um, and the reason I got that number was the guy that was in my position before had it, but he gave it up to the company when he retired because he moved to Florida. And I was literally getting texts like left and right about people being like, I know this is no longer Gary Porter's number. Can you sell me this number? I'll give you 1000 us dollars. Like, (laughs) Like and like, I didn't know like how that like ever like I don't know where they looked it up to find like that information, but I just kept getting like 
hit up all the time for people trying to buy the 212 area codes for the cell phone. So I told that's, my that's boss, wild. and he goes, do one of these guys for uh, the highest price. Right. What did his boss say? Share the, share yeah, the you, you left us on the edge there, Eli. You cut out. What did he say? Yeah, I, I have to what know. Did boss say? My boss said, find the highest bidder, and if you sell it to them, we'll just split it ourselves. Like, <laughs> he, was totally, he was totally cool with like, like selling this number because it was like a company number. And he was like, the company doesn't need a Manhattan like area code. Like, screw it, let's just make a couple bucks, you know, doing this. So, I respond to one of these guys that offered me, I think, thirteen hundred bucks for this number. Wow, wow. And, um, you know, I wasn't in New York full time. I was going back and forth from Columbus. So, I was like, oh yeah, like I'll meet you at a, I'll meet you at a Verizon store, and I can give you the number because I'm the name on the account. Because they gave me a Verizon bill, which they paid every month. So and that's how you met Mallory Factor for the first no. time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be the greatest. That'd be oh, so wow. epic. <laughs> no, so. Well, no, because if it was Mallory, Mallory wouldn't have showed up. Sad trombone. Love you, Mal. <laughs> uh, he won't even hear it. Don't worry. Said, Sad trombone. Oh, he, he was tweeting at me tonight. Was he? Uh, yeah. But anyways, long the story short, I was Kaz's texting this person. Intro. I was texting this person. I thought it was a dude this whole time. Oh, you I got go catfish. to the Verizon store, meet whoever this person is. It was and it's like Seah. this. It's just like <laughs> six years. <laughs> it got dark, Tom. That got dark. <laughs> That's too soon. I'm just tying it all together. I'm just tying yeah. it all together. Um, no, That's but then I get sure. there and it's like it's this like 60 year old like tiny Jewish woman who wants this phone number. She knows she's been a New Yorker her whole life and she felt jip. Yeah. So she paid she paid the money, she got the number, and I got six hundred fifty dollars for just being lucky and getting this phone. <laughs> wow, That's crazy. Well, and that was the annoyance that I had. After I switched the number because uh, my daughter got a new number, but it was a 234 number. And I was like – because 234 is the new like 330 area code replacement. I'm like, I don't want a 234 number. I want a 330 number. But I'm like, well, okay. Another, there's but I didn't want to sit through it for another 45 minutes while she switched the number over again. So, so I was there's like – There's another uh, Northeast Ohio area code coming out? Yeah, 234. I did not. Yeah, there's two three four two one six and four four zero and three three zero. Yeah, yeah. I remember when they added four four zero. Yeah, four four zero is like weird. It it goes west and east of Cleveland, but not too far south. And then like yeah. Akron and and Stark County and all that are like three three zero and two three four. Although it's all the goofy thing now is it's all like. You know, they're just numbers. They don't really mean anything other than historical significance anymore because people just type punch in the number on their contacts and dial that. It uh, like how many well, people's phone numbers do you yeah, actually know by heart now? Not many. I think it's so quaint yeah. when businesses don't put their area code on. Like, man, like you must be like over sixty. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Like exactly. Assuming that well, people must know the area code because and they must have a landline phone that <laughs> they'll call. Yeah, and and all their customers are over sixty two because they yeah. haven't moved and has probably yeah. still have a landline. So, yep. 
Yeah. And this has been Cell Phone Talk on Caps the Block. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Tom, you got anything to pitch before we roll on out of here? So I'm going to pitch. Uh, well, I like that Karis Levert's from Columbus. The sea bus. Um, yep. Let's see, what do I want to pitch? Oh, you know what I went all in on, Nate? Is, uh, did I tell you this? I went, I, I, I bought, I'm buying all this, like, RGB, like, peripherals for my new PC that I built. Okay. What are so, RGB peripherals? You know, like blinky lights, like LEDs. Oh, LEDs. Yeah. Okay. LEDs, yeah. as you called yes. them earlier. Yes, 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 that you can control. So I can pitch Micro Center, my favorite. Oh, so Tom, I was in, at Micro Center the week before last. So this is another great story because I love Micro Center. Yeah, everyone should. It's the best. It is. It's like you went into a time machine and went back to a giant radio shack from 1989. Everyone knows what, what they're doing. Everyone's – the salespeople just – they know more than you, which, you know, how often can you say that about – I just reminded of like the Ron Swanson when he walks into a load. It's just <laughs> like – the guy's like, I'll help you. And he's like, I know more than you, which is like normally you could say that, you know. So not a micro center. Um, yeah, it's like the people, old King of Hill. Do you have a hammer? Sorry, yeah, the people ahead. there are legit, and um, yeah, it's great. It's it, it's it's a model that doesn't make sense, right? It's like the one of the first areas that internet shopping really took over was PC Master Race. It was like you know all the websites. You know there was M Wave, there was PriceWatch.com, there was Newegg. It really kind of grappled hold, and now of course Amazon. But um, Newegg's still despite, out there. Newegg's still there. But despite that, you know, brick and mortar uh, micro center is just there's just something about being there. Something about being around all that computer hardware and so other so stuff too. So I walk in there with my wife. So I'm actually the laptop I'm on right now. I went and got at micro center. Because they had a they had a deal on it and was uh, open box return and you know say fifty bucks and had all the specs I wanted so went up there to Mayfield with my wife and um, we walk in and it's like it's like walking into Mecca for me because yeah. it's it's literally like the geeks geek computer store from it the eighties really and nineties and there's is. boxes everywhere. It's totally Spartan. There's no advertising on the walls except maybe an old poster of Andre Agassi uh, holding a <laughs> Rebel EOS camera or something. Oh, like yes. That. I love it. <laughs> and like all the shelves, like they have the lockdown shelves for the uh, PCIe hard drives. And um, it's just – and it's so Spartan. Like there's nothing – it's completely utilitarian. And my wife is just like – realizes that I'm the most attractive person in there, which does not happen often. <laughs> like the last time this happened was when I went to the Ohio pinball convention. <laughs> so, so we go in there and she's just like, she has the get me the F out of here now face <laughs> because like the, the very large person with, uh, the glasses from the lovely bones and a pocket protector and a tie comes up and asks me <laughs> if we need help. And, uh, and just it, it is not her cup of tea. Let's put it that way. So I, I get my laptop and we get out of there and I'm just like, 
But I, I just like she did not want me to wander the aisles, and that's all I want to do. I wanted to spend two hours there. So a very resonant reference there, Tom. So yes, definitely. Yeah, Tom and I are both pitching Micro Center. The idea of a daycation to me is is like Micro Center. Like yeah, exactly. Go hang out there for the day. That that sounds great to me. <laughs> yeah, and then and then go to Trader Joe's uh, near there in Mayfield, which is. The words and the other fresh time. You you have fresh time. I'm a fresh. Oh, fresh time's great. So fresh time is owned by Meyer. You know that, right? I did not know that. Did you know Seven Eleven bought Speedway? I did know that. Yeah. 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 So of course you did. Nothing gets past you. No, nothing gets past me. I I'm on the tweets all day, baby. (laughs) (laughs) So um, yeah. Well, that that was so Trader Joe's is is in Mayfield great store well it's not in Mayfield it's around there but the thing that ticked me off about the whole thing so my wife and I are driving through Pepper Pike uh which is on the way between where Trader Joe's is and the the micro center is and we'd had all this snow and so there's all these ha- houses with these huge ice dams and these icicles going all the way down to the sidewalk right you know what I'm talking about I know. So you grew up in Northeast so, Ohio. You I know did. exactly like, what I'm talking I about. Exactly, I know exactly what you're talking about. All these houses in the 50s and 60s that had no insulation in the roof. And so and when the house gutter, heats up. They don't have gutter about 9,000. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So we see all these ice stands. And they actually kind of look really cool. Um, and we're driving along. And then two days later, I get an ad on my phone. For ice dams. And it just ticks me off because I realized <laughs> I had not had my microphone blocker on. Yeah. And some app had listened to my conversation and decided they needed to advertise ice dam remediation technology to me. And so yeah. it was probably the Gutterbot <laughs> people. Probably was. <laughs> so, anyway. Probably was Gutterbot. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's my pitch. Uh, Micro Center and Trader Joe's. Oh, and uh, Oliver Tree, who makes really weird videos – with really like '90s uh, alternative bands like Blink 182 sounding uh, hooks, and they're really catchy. So um, I guess he got big in the Vine era and is still uh, kicking out oh, sweet tunes. Long so, live the Vine era. Yeah. Anyway, Eli, what you got to pitch as as Tom and I ramble on here? Is this podcast getting um, a little long in the tooth? Yeah. As it should. Um, as it must. One. Ex- expanding on Chris Lydon, which I think he pitched for me, but oh yeah, the zombie show on Netflix. All of yeah. us are dead. All of us are dead. Yeah, Manchurian Manchurian Peninsula, only thing holding Netflix together right now. <laughs> um, I finished it. I won't give any spoilers, but I will say it is not on the level of Squid Game. So don't go in with too high of expectations if you do choose to watch it. But overall, I thought it was a decent show. Um, something, if you're really bored, that you should watch. I watched it as I was getting snowed in. So, Did you watch The Silent Sea? Yes, I did. I thought that was pretty weak. I didn't even make it to the end. Yeah, I think it's a little bit better than Silent Sea. Okay, but good. The Silent Sea has a lot of very well-known Korean uh, exactly. So yeah, that's why a lot of the people in Squid Game were in Silent Sea. Yeah. So I have no clue. What just my pitch. Is. I'm sorry, it's not like an A plus A plus pitch, but another B minus level thing that eh, 
if you want, it can tickle your fancy. Well, there you go. Hey, Tom, what, uh, wait, you don't know what Squid Game is? I have no clue. Oh, my God. So we actually did a whole podcast on Squid Game. You probably told me what it was then. Yeah, so Squid Game. That's how much I wasn't, I don't pay attention to you. So, Eli, describe Squid Game in, you know, 90 seconds. Uh, Squid Game is a Korean show. And it's based on basically uh, games with 456 players that uh, are playing for their lives and a chance to win $456 million. Um, so, or no, 40, $46 million. Basically, there's these games that they play and there's tension, obviously, between the different people that are playing these games. Um, but it's just really interesting because it shows like the different sides of humanity, what people do when people get desperate and, you know, just how different characters from different backgrounds kind of deal with each other and how they all look to survive and win this money and make it out of there. Yeah. And it also has a very kind of striking color palette, like all the guards wear these pink, uh, uniforms with black masks and like a circle or a square or a triangle on them and it's it's very striking so it, it was an interesting show it, it was it was pretty well done and they're doing another season i think so it was a big hit for netflix so anyway this podcast is getting long in the tooth who we got coming up next are they playing indie again or they have somebody between the next time they play indie i'm, I'm this is hot googling action on calves a podcast I know, but I'm glad they're playing bottom feeders without Garland because I think they'd be getting curb stomped right now by a good team. Well, they beat Charlotte. Which, again, I was saying, like, that was amazing that they did. That that was a huge win. They play the Spurs on Wednesday. Yeah, that'll be a tough And then they play the Pacers next Friday. Or, like, on Friday, sorry. Oh, okay. And when's the All-Star game? The 20th. Oh, okay. I thought it was next weekend. I guess it's a little further, yeah. but Super Bowl week next week, and then the All Star game the week after. Okay, and then Bengals. Yeah, we have to talk about the Bengals. Oh, the Bungles. Are you big? Bang- is it is the city of flame there, Tom? Oh man, is, is yes. the area just going nuts for the Bungles? I think so. I mean, I don't get out much, but yeah. <laughs> on, on Facebook, everyone that I know that lives down here is going crazy, but also. At the same time, uh, I mean, I think a little bit, it's a little bit like in disbelief, right? Because no one, no one thought the Bengals would be. Like, what were the odds? I mean, Eli, I'll know. What were the odds at any point this year that the Bengals would be in the Super Bowl? I don't just, know, but it had to be pretty low. It probably had to be pretty similar to the odds of the Cavs being in the NBA Finals. What? What? <laughs> uh, we'll reference this podcast. Absolutely. I feel like this might be the summer of Ohio. And twenty sixteen almost was. It was it was a that so was a great close. year. So it was close. a great year. Uh, about two feet close. Like yeah. isn't that how far outside um Kipnis? Kipnis is uh was from the pole. I feel like I don't know. it was close. Yeah. Yeah, it was close. And and Raji Davis never has to buy a drink in this town again. Yeah, what a cool moment that was. Yeah, that was a great World Series. Like I, it was, it was such a great World Series that it was the honestly for me the last great moment baseball had. Yeah, that was an incredible World Series. It was good yeah. for the game. 
twas. Twas and twas and twas. This year was good for the game. The Braves sticking it to the MLB for getting woke on them and moving the All-Star game. What a great what a great comeback story. Right, Nate? I don't even – did the Braves win? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was somebody banging the drum to uh, oh, man. Uh, signal there balls like, and strikes or uh, pitches oh, to were, tip pitches? There were 80,000 <laughs> racists every game doing the tomahawk chalk. It, it was glorious. Oh, you're glorious killing me, Tom. At, glorious F you to the MLB. Glorious. Ugh. And with that note, go Cavs. <laughs> go Cavs. Uh, go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire. We're